Classic City Vibes podcast, conversations with musicians, artists, creatives, and others who make Athens, Georgia, and the community surrounding Athens an amazing place to live. Learn what is going on in one of the nation's most famous scenes, meet the new generation of people keeping the tradition strong, and hear how the arts are helping build our communities. This podcast is put out by the Athens Regional Library System, where we are committed to helping build strong communities and celebrating our diversity, engaging communities, exceeding expectations. If you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to give us a rating or review on iTunes. Hello, I'm James, and we're back to Classic City Vibes today, and we have in the studio with us Cassie Chantel. Welcome. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for having me. This is actually a really nice library. I don't know what I, what I was expecting, but it looks really nice in here. So. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This room, this room that we record in, um, actually patrons can rent it out and oh, nice. do their own podcasts and things like that as well. So it's, it's really neat. So Cool. So you are a musician, a poet. Uh, you have your own magazine. You do a little, all a little bit of everything. How did you first get started in the arts? Uh, as a child, I, st- I started off with writing. I started off writing short stories, uh, and then when my teacher punished me, it, a part of the like timeout uh, sessions was I could write a poem about uh, the experience. So I wrote a poem about how I thought it wasn't fair <laughs> that I was in timeout. <laughs> And she loved it, and she made me share it in front of the class, and that was, like, my first performance. And that's what made me, like, really fall in love with poetry and, and writing poems and, and performing because I saw my classmates' reaction uh, to that. So it's, that was in elementary school. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but it's been going for a while. I've, I've always done something creative. So getting in trouble say, changed your life. <laughs> you know, that's all, that seems to always be <laughs> how it works, right? Yeah, yeah, it does a lot, doesn't it? That's, it? that's pretty neat that the teacher took, you know, like a punishment, I guess, you know, and like added that to it. I would say Miss Bridges was before her, her, her time. time yeah. She cause they they're doing a lot of restorative uh things in the schools now, but she had that going on like even back then at Follow Drive Elementary School. So, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> and you got to benefit from it. So yeah. so you were in elementary school at that time. Yes. And it started out with writing poetry and you saw the response you got. Yes. When, how did that progress into music? Uh, slowly but surely, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd uh, when it comes to, I, I'm part of that age group that first started to work on computers. Um, so when the, when I got the internet, I always browsed the internet on new like softwares that I could use. So I found like a, a recording software and that was like, I probably was like 11. Um, so I was recording, I had just a basic microphone and a basic trial version of this recording software and I would find, uh, instrumentals on the internet or, uh, make instrumentals from like songs, like, cause you know how sometimes songs might have some parts of the song that doesn't have any lyrics. Oh, so I right. would make little loops. Kind of sampling. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like sampling. Cool. So yeah, I've been recording myself since like 11 years old and, I like to write about my experiences and that's how I express myself. I like to write about my experience. I like to express myself in all of the mediums. So sometimes that might come out through writing and sometimes that may come out through, I might paint on my jacket, like yeah, how this jacket true. is that I'm wearing right now. Um, so I just, I just like expression. So it manifested over the years into just new things and I like to try new things. 
So I'm always interested in someone who's a poet and a musician, songwriter. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference. That's right. That's what I like to hear. What's the difference for you when you're writing like a poem versus a song? And, and, and when you start an idea, do you know if it's going to be one or the other? Or, or is it kind of like naturally kind of flow? Yeah, it naturally flows. I would say with actual songwriting, I don't write songs anymore. Uh, I do more of what I call like song construction. So I have a mic in a studio set up in my home. So I get an idea for a song or I have an itch to make a song and I find uh, a track. I have a, a pool of producers that I pull from now at this point and I work with a band. Um, so whatever tracks that I have that fit my mood, I immediately start, I guess it's a, a type of freestyling. So I, I record little bits and pieces at a time until it forms like a song. I don't write down songs anymore um, just because I like for them to be fresh and like in the moment. And it's hard to keep up with my thoughts sometimes with writing. So with poetry is more so I, I actually write poems, but it comes out how I would do it as a song. Like it comes out really fast. So if I have a urge for a poem, I'm just writing and I'm free writing and I'm not worrying about what it is. I can't worry about the the outcome of the song before it's done because that just takes away from the process. So a lot of it is, is free verse and then after I get it down, then I do more of the editing and, and stuff, construction yeah. part of it. So that kind of rawness is what you're really looking for. It has to be raw. Like yeah. I, I like fresh emotion, like how I actually feel. I don't want to think about it too much. Yeah. So... 11-year-old Cassie starts making music. Um, are your friends making music at this time, too? Where did no. that come from? Where did that idea come? Like, I'm going to go from poet. I'm going to try and do some songs now. I just love music. None of my friends were doing music at the time. I, I would say that it's probably just in my DNA. Like, my grandfather was a folk singer. Um, I didn't know much about that at the time, but I think... It's just something that's just naturally in me. And my dad likes to listen to music. My, my mom, my sister, they love music, and I, I got a lot of my musical taste through them. But no one was doing music. It was just something that I, I had a lot of free time as a kid and a lot of time by myself uh, as a kid. So that's how I would spend my time just creating something, and music was that thing at the time. But there was always music going on in your house. It just wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Yes. My mom might be playing some music or my sister. I'm with my sister and she's playing music while she's cleaning up or something. But it wasn't. No one's intentionally making it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, not making it. So how did it progress from there? Um, You were 11 year old making your own music. Do do you still have those recordings, by the way? I wish. No. (laughs) I'd be probably be very interesting for you to hear them now. Like I remember, so it's, surprisingly enough, I remember some of the lyrics uh, as a kid. I remember getting my niece involved into some of my music. Uh, I was always telling stories about the things going on around me, and uh, I was actually like just yesterday listening to one of my earlier uh, projects that I put out. Um, that one's available. I put it out on like streaming services maybe just a couple of years ago, but it came out in 2011. Um, so I was fresh into the like professional yeah. music scene and I'm just always proud of myself as as the writer that I was in such a young space and the things that I was able to convey. I know I don't have the recordings from 11-year-old Cassie, but I do remember <laughs> some of the things that I was saying and I was yeah. like, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> <laughs> That's good that you can look at it that way, look back and and remember that. I wouldn't remember anything. <laughs> um so 
in high school? When did you start kind of getting friends and stuff, hanging around other musicians and things like that? High school would be the time that I really uh, hung around other musicians. Uh, I used to work with uh, Donnell Green the Fifth, uh, and he was actually a band kid, and um, he could produce. So, and he uh, had his own uh, studio set up. He had a Mac, like he had the fancy stuff. So everybody wanted to be his friend, right? Yeah. So so back <laughs> then cool. he was my first like taste into like I would. He didn't live far from me, so I'd go over his house and we would record stuff. And that was like later years, maybe like senior year is when I really started recording with him. Now, is, was this in Athens? I forgot to ask yes. you. Yeah. Okay. Born and so raised in Athens. Born and raised in Athens. Yeah. yeah. You moved for a little while. Uh, right? As an adult. As yeah, an adult. Okay. In the college years, I moved. Uh, I went to college at Piedmont College. So I moved. I was in Demarest, and then I transferred from Demarest to the Art Institute of Atlanta. So I was living in Decatur uh, at the time, and then from there, I pretty much lived in Atlanta most of my twenties. Um, I was back and forth a bit, so I was spending maybe like six or seven months in Atlanta, then come home for a little bit. But most of the time in my 20s was in Atlanta. It's, you know, a huge scene there in Atlanta, too. What was that like to be in the middle of, of that? I love Atlanta. I, it's such a, it's, it's so cultural, especially uh, mm. it's, it's black culture. And it's something, it's, it's very diverse compared to what I grew up here in Athens with. So I was just Google, googly eyes <laughs> of that of that whole scene for a while. And I learned a lot about the music business. I would I would think, I would say they're more advanced in a lot of ways as far as like their events and the different things that they have for artists there to really hone their skills. Um, so I, I learned some valuable lessons in Atlanta. I, I gained a completely new following uh, of people, a new uh, support system, a, a new group of people to work with. So it's, it's really, a second home for me at this mm -hmm. point. Was it hard when you first moved there to kind of get plugged into that scene, or were they are they really welcoming? Or they're really welcoming in Atlanta, I would say, um, because the scene is is such a, a culture of music there, mm -hmm. and they have a lot of open mics, and it was just love like from the yeah. from the jump, really. So I was really accepted immediately in Atlanta. And so, did you ever? You were making music your entire life. You had didn't take a break or anything like that. No. I, now I would say is the more the most break, the longest break of music from music that I've taken, and it's really to some people it's not so much of a break, but for me it's, it's a break because <laughs> uh, I, I just haven't been recording. Like it would, I have so much music. I have so much music that's not even out, and a lot of music I've lost. So I've always been constantly recording because I've always had access to a recording studio. And then probably 2016, 2015, 2016 is when I started to record myself and when I purchased my own like professional uh, equipment. But I've always had access to a studio, so I've always been recording. But now I would say in the last two years, I've taken more... Well, probably like one and a half. The last one and a half years, I've taken a break in recording because I just want to live more life. And I'm also finding a new voice and finding other genres uh, besides like hip hop, what I'm mostly known for to really dabble in and perfect. So I've just been taking my time lately. But you'll be back, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah okay. I'm still here. It's like I just released a, a rap song that I recorded like last year uh, on all platforms. It's called Attractive. And that's something because I know people are like, 
you're not rapping anymore. So I was like, let me put out a <laughs> rap song because I do have rap songs just stacked up that people haven't heard that I can be releasing. So it's I'm I'm gone, but I'm still very I'm still I'm working on it. <laughs> so how do you you got if you have so much music, how do you decide what to put out, when to put it out, where to put it out, you know that kind of thing? So it's all for me. It's always about how I feel and. I'm always listening to myself. I, I don't know if that's like arrogant or whatever, but I think I make great music. So <laughs> I'm always listening to myself. So if I'm listening to myself and I go back into my archives and I'm like, this song, I'm feeling it right now. I'm in this emotion right now. I feel like this message needs to be out. Then that's pretty much how I decide. And then I, I kind of just, how do I want to approach it is based on where I am in life. Do I want to put a lot of promotion behind this or do I just want to put it out and see what it does organically? Uh, it just really depends on the time that it's coming out. Uh, and where is mostly, I, I like for it to be accessible to everyone for the most part. I'm really not interested. I mean, of course it's great like to make money off of like the streams and people purchasing it. But for the most part, I want people to, to know and hear the music and enjoy mm -hmm. the music and I'll figure out the making money part from somewhere else. Um, so I might test, like I haven't used Bandcamp as much as I probably should have. So uh, I put the song that just released out on Bandcamp a, a few, maybe like six months ago, just to see how it would do on Bandcamp and just to see what that avenue would look like for me. But now it's just available everywhere. And for the most part, I just put it out everywhere. Yeah, you just want people to hear it. Yeah, That's exactly. The thing. Did, how has Bandcamp, have you, what, how has your experience been the, in the six months with it? People have bought it, but, yeah. uh, and you make more money back from Bandcamp than you would through streams. But honestly, it's not a very, in my experience, it's not, my demographic of people that listen to my music aren't on Bandcamp. Right. So it hasn't been as beneficial to me in that aspect. But, I mean, it's there. The songs are there. So if anyone does have Bandcamp, they can go and access it. But... Uh, I, I also feel like I don't put as much time into Bandcamp because with that, with whatever platform you're using, you have to put time into like right. promoting it and just for it to be effective. So I haven't put as much time as I probably could have, and I don't see my demographic really being there. I guess I can make a new demographic, but it's just not one of my right. top focuses. You only have so much time you have yeah, to decide exactly. where you put your focus. <laughs> and have you been writing poetry this whole time? Yeah, I definitely am always writing poetry or freestyling poetry. I, what I do a lot is record, sometimes record myself uh, freestyling it when I find an urge that I have something to say. Uh, poetry is a lot less, what's the word for it? It's, it's just less formal, so I don't, I don't really have to think too much about the beat or the anything. Beat or yeah, anything. Yeah. So I can just do that, and I, I'm often doing that. So you can be, you feel like you can be more expressive with your poetry because you don't have to, you don't have the same limitations. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's no limits to poetry. It can rhyme or it doesn't have to rhyme at all. It can be two lines or it can be two pages, you right. know, it's just. Or 200, yeah. <laughs> exactly, so. No, get somebody to read about. a 200 page poem is a little different. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, have you tried to put that together into a book? No, it's funny that you say that. It's probably like a affirmation that I should be doing this. Um, mm -hmm. When I started to share more of my poetry on TikTok, it, it went viral. It, very surprisingly, like people 
really took to it on TikTok. Uh, and then someone in the comments asked me, like, do I have a book? And then I've been getting a lot of, you should make an audio book. I like listening to you speak the poetry or just listening to your voice in general. So I haven't done that just yet. I'm getting more in the mindset of putting out books uh, because of the magazine. Mm -hmm. I released the magazines in books like so it's book one book okay, two yeah uh so that's just getting me me prep for it but i know it's coming since i'm getting those muscles ready for it at this point so we'll come back to the magazine just a second <laughs> but i do want to ask so when you because your poetry and your music is very personal it's kind of very raw so when you get that feedback from a place um TikTok or wherever that it's kind of blowing up. That's got to probably be, I mean, probably be rewarding no matter what. But I would think it would be maybe even a little more emotionally validating when you put out something so personal and people respond to it personally. Yeah, it's always surprising. Even though, like, I know people are people and we're all experiencing these things and most of us have, like, similar feelings to things, it's just always surprising to what people gravitate towards. Like, oh, wow, they really like that I was just venting like yeah, I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting all of this so yeah it just makes me it, it reaffirms how connected we all are as mm -hmm. the human species and I appreciate that aspect of it do you ever you know write a poem or a song you think people are going to really really connect with this one and they end up connecting with something different that you, a different poem or song stronger than you know what I mean yeah like, sometimes you might feel better about a certain poem and then people end up loving this other one that you were even thinking about not putting out kind of thing yeah it, yeah all the time is you just never really know what people are going to like and what people gravitate to so that's why it's good to have outside opinion because I mean your opinion is always the most important you always need to focus yeah. on how you feel about the thing but it's your art yeah it's your art but at the end of the day people like what they like and if even if you don't like it as much you, you still might need to share that so with your poems and your music who who are you sharing that with to kind of get who, who helps you out with that in terms of giving you feedback and do you have certain people or not really like i like to practice in real time i say <laughs> that like if I have a show or something coming up, I might share it in that moment and see actual crowd feedback. And like, I'm always looking into people's faces and seeing how they're interpreting and seeing how their body language is to the thing. So a lot of the things that I do, I don't necessarily send it to people in advance. I'm not really that type of, I don't know, when it's out, it's out, no, yeah. you know, and, that, and that's the feedback that I take from it. When did you start doing live shows? Uh, when I was, I, I, well, I started doing live shows in high school, actually, uh, me and Donnerell, uh, had a performance like at an, uh, assembly, um, <laughs> and that the teachers invited us to. So that started like there, but then after graduation, so like around 18 is when I had my first professional gig, I was paid to do a show in Wander. Um, so I've been doing shows professionally since I was 18. Uh, and it's just, it just keeps going. Like once you do one and you do it well, you just keep getting booked. So that's pretty much been my experience. What's a live show for you like? Do you is how, how nervous were you for your first live show, or did you take to it kind of naturally? Honestly, I don't remember being yeah. nervous. Um, I approach live shows uh, differently, just depending on what type of live show it is. Uh, now, I've become a lot more. 
reserved, I would say, beforehand. Like, I need space and time to, uh, like, before the show, like, I don't need to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I need, like, an hour or two before the show to just, like, really be with myself to get in the zone. mode. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to get in the zone. Um, and I just treat it as a as a way, it's like a game to me. Like, I'm a athlete by nature. Like, I, growing up, before as I was doing music at the house, like outwardly, people knew me as a basketball player. I still keep my basketball mentality. So days of the performance, that's like game day. So I go in it and it's game time and I go all out. I wanna go all out every single time. So I just get into a certain zone. I don't really feel nerves as I'm doing it because practice, like I'm I'm big on like rehearsals and practice now. So that's where I get I, I try to work out most of the kinks there. There will be times, like if I'm doing something new, like at a, at a festival uh, recently for Earth Day, um, I DJed. And that was my first time DJing since like house parties in like uh, 2017 era. And that was, you know, it's a house party. It's not like a, a stage. It was at Livewire. So it was a lot of people there. Um, so I was nervous for that because I was doing something new. Yeah. Um, but when I'm not doing something new, I'm doing something that I practice, that I've rehearsed, this is what I do. I don't feel nerves in that. Um, I just hope for the best turnout at, at that point and, and hope that the camera people kept the good side <laughs> and capture this moment. So, yeah. Do you love doing live shows? Is I love doing live shows, but I'm very selective now with what live shows I'm doing. Um, I prefer at this time to really only do stuff with my band uh, when it comes to doing my own music. Uh, It's just the type of music that I'm putting out now, and really not even that I'm putting out now, because the songs that I'm doing with the band, these are all songs that have been out at this point for years. Uh, They're just reimagined, reinterpreted. So the sound that I'm going for now and the, the rawness and the mood that I want people to be in when they take in my music, I'm only accepting particular type of gigs. I really, the festival is something that I, in hindsight, I wish I didn't do it. I, I appreciate the, the experience and it was very fun, but I did it more so because of who put on the event in, yeah. in my I have to say yes to people. Like I, I'm getting to the point where I'm, t- I'm telling people no more. Yeah. But I, but in the past, I've always just said yes, especially if I'm fond of the person and I respect them. Kind of um, support them. Yeah, yeah, trying to support them. But as far as where I am musically and the type of uh, crowds that I want to deliver my music to, um, I'm only accepting particular type of gigs. How does it, your song, you, you know, you said you, you're doing some of these songs that have been around a while, but they change. Yes. How much do they change? Oh, they're completely different yeah. songs. Like, they sound completely different, and I love that. Uh, other artists that I admire do, like, Beyonce is my top favorite performer. Yeah. Uh, when she does live shows, she does the songs completely different. They're completely new versions, and I always admire that about her concerts. So I take that on, especially since I have more freedom with the band, and I take in 
okay, you're a musician. This is what you do. I like working with the people that are the best. Like, I feel like I'm the best at what I do. I want to work with musicians that are the best. So I trust them and what they bring to the songs creatively. So the composer that I met uh, through the Athens Hip Hop Harmonic, which was a UGA uh, production, uh, the composer, I've been working with him ever since. Uh, and he's helped with reimagining and composing these songs in new ways, uh, taking on more jazz and classical approaches. Um, so I'm, I'm just, with the songs that I'm doing now, well, with my old songs, I just want them to, I feel like they're classics. They're classic in the hip hop and rap world. So now it's like making them into classics all across genres. So they're even more respected by different people. So, um, you go to one of your shows, your shows are never the same because your songs are always changing. Even the set yeah. list similar, it's not going to be the same. I show, never right? like doing the same show twice. Yeah. That's, that's like a rule of thumb for me. I'm yeah. not going to, you're not going to get the same Cassie Chantel experience. So what was it like working with the uh, orchestra and that whole um, project? Because this is what, the third year doing that? I, I can't remember, but I can't it, remember. it's still a fairly new thing. Yeah. I would say it was a dream come true. Um, I'm very, I, I love Nina Simone, Billie Holiday, really any artists in the 60s, like the Ray Charles. I love how their productions went and the the how they're still so, like you can listen to those albums today and they still mm -hmm. sonically sound good. They're not gonna change. But with the working with the Athens Hip Hop Harmonic in the business side of it is what really changed me as an artist. How, because I was working with a band before then. When I did Athfest, I had a band, but that was really my first experience with Athfest. It's like my first real uh, experience with it. But going into UGA and seeing how they were able to dissect the songs and how the short, how much shorter the rehearsals were compared to like my band rehearsals, and we still got so much done. Mm -hmm. So just being more organized, it really helped me to be more organized. It helped me to know what I want. Um, and just to know that even more things that, that I didn't even realize were possible are possible. Uh, it's just about who you're working with and just the overall flow of that show. I just learned some invaluable knowledge about music through that experience. And then now I have in my band three UGA musicians. Uh, so I, I learned, it, it helped me in so many ways I probably can't even communicate. Yeah, when did you first start using a band? Sounds like being having a band is a big big part of your show. Um, but before you, for a while you didn't have a band, correct? You I didn't have a, a consistent, no, I didn't have a group of musicians that I can say, this is my band. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I've worked with uh, live performances a few times in the past, like sporadically throughout the years for select performances. Um, but it wasn't until Lingua Franca's uh, album release party, I opened for them and I wanted, because it's Lingua Franca, so it's like, I, I have this show has to be amazing. So I had it in my mind, and I wanted to work with the band. So I worked with the band for the first time for their show, and then right after that was uh, AdFest, and I had a, a different set of musicians for that. And from the AdFest show of last year is when the band really formed. But now it's, I had a bunch of different musicians uh like i had guitar then we had keys and uh bass and drum we had a lot of different instruments but now after doing the hip-hop harmonic and seeing how 
we were able to do a lot more with less. So the band feel is a lot stripped back now. Now it's just bass and sax and sometimes drums um, compared to all of those instruments before. And I, I appreciate this more because the, the vocals are able to shine through and I can really exercise uh, who I am and, and do things musically that I haven't been able to do uh, before because I, it's, it's just giving me the space to, it's just more stripped back and you can focus on the lyrics. Yeah. So the new songs that you have kind of in the can that are going to come out later, they, they're songs that you've written after this experience, right? Uh, some of them are songs that were before, like they're like, I like to think that I'm ahead of my time in, in things that I write. Like sometimes I'm catching up to my lyrics. Uh, so I have songs that have been written before this experience. I haven't written much after uh, the experience or put together much after the, the experience because I'm still decompressing. Mm. You know, I'm still understanding how I feel and I want to be, when I do put out the the album with the band. I want to tell new stories from this new set of wisdom that I have. So I'm still just learning my lessons and decompressing all that information. Yeah. So you're also on the Now is the Time, um, Shouting Fire in a Crowded Theater. Yes. Which was, um, I believe, the third, because there was Hip Hop Wax. Is it not Hip Hop? Yeah. There's Classic City Wax 1 and 2, and I believe this is the third one from that. Um, and this is my favorite one of the three. Oh, They're nice. all great, but this one to me is is amazing. Uh, I love this album. So, um, and did you this song? What where does this song fit in? Sick and tired in terms of like when you wrote it and things like that. Well, Montu is a mentor of mine, and he's a teacher by trade, and he that transcends in pretty much everything that he does, even when it's music. Uh, so he gives me assignments sometimes and the song that I did for this uh, album was an assignment uh, he gave me Fannie Lou Hamer uh, as the assignment and he wanted me to write a song uh, in ode to that and share more information uh, about who she is and what she contributed to the movement um, so I would say this was probably written in 2021 I would say uh, so it's around the same time that I'm changing sonically uh, as well. And I had just put out uh, the project uh, Rich Auntie, which is one of my best, if not the best, like rap production as a whole body that I put out. Um, so I'm still in my in my rap bag. So it came at a good time to do that. Um, but yeah, I took it on as a project from my mentor and I was able to I didn't even know who Fannie Lou was when I wrote the song, I had to learn who she was. And like now I'm still learning who she is and what she was to the movement. So I like getting things like that because I, I love being a student. I'm always, I always yeah. consider myself a student. So I love all of Montu's uh, objectives. That he <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this, I, he was at FanFest and I bought this from him and he was like, you're going to like this one. Nice. <laughs> he was right. Montu was right. <laughs> um, so who are some of the artists that most influence you that you listen to? Uh, I'm influenced by a lot of artists, but I would say the ones that stick out the most, like in my childhood and my formative years, uh, was Lauryn Hill, Lil Wayne, and those were like the pillars. There's others like T.I. and uh, Jill Scott, uh, just R&B wise, but the pillar in, in Tupac. But the yeah. pillars were like Lil Wayne and Lauryn Hill. Those were the two artists that I feel like my style 
came from the the most. I would say that Tupac influenced me to to write music just based off of his storytelling aspect of it. Uh, Brenda's Got a Baby was one of the first songs that I was uh, acquainted with from Tupac. And I was like, oh, he put an actual story to a beat. And I was already writing stories. So that transformed my voice in music and wanting to share my stories through sound the, the way that he did. Uh, so yeah, I would say those are the pillars of artists. Okay. Why do you think probably more than anyone else, Tupac has had so much influence. What's the appeal of Tupac, do you think, to almost everybody? I mean... It's because he was so honest and yeah. he was just who he is and people respect when they know that th this person isn't putting on a facade. Uh, he was always who he is through his mistakes and through his triumphs. Um, and then his music is still so relevant because of that honesty. Mm -hmm. You can play a Tupac song and the things that he's talking about are still happening and they're still relevant. Mm -hmm. So his, his relevance is through his truth. And that's always going to be the longevity of any artist in any medium that they're sharing their art. And so that's always important to you when you're writing. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I love just sharing who I am and the more raw that is. like, Because there's been times that I've wanted mainstream appeal. So I'm still being who I am, but I'm still like catering it to this mainstream appeal. But when I completely disregard if this song is going to sound good to anybody else, this song is for me. That's when the most raw of the sound comes out. That's when I get songs like Miss America and IDK, uh, when I'm not caring about the, th the opinions of other people. So I think that's what transcends through my music as well. So you have a lot of music out there. If someone wants to first listen to you, what album would you suggest? What, what, where do you say they start? Uh, they can start with Rich Auntie. Uh, Rich Auntie. It's, it's the most, uh, it's one of the newest bodies of work. It's 10 tracks. Um, it came out in 2021. It's mainstream. It's, it's very much so mainstream, but it's still very honest. Um, but other than that, if they're listening to a full body of work, I would say that one. Um, if they're listening to, if they just want to listen to a song to let you know who Cassie Chantel is, I'm going to tell them to go to Miss America. Mm -hmm. uh, any of the versions. There's multiple versions of Miss America that are out uh, on streaming platforms now. The rap version, which was the original version, it started everything, so they can start there. Um, but I would say Body of Work, Rich Auntie, because that's who I am now, and that shows all of the work that I put into being an artist, and this is the most developed of my voice and sound as a rapper. And then Miss America is just the rawness of who I am all the time and what I my take on politics, my take on the world and how I see America is just who I am all the way. That's yeah. a well-rounded view, those two bodies. All right, let's check those out. So the Art is Important project, tell us about that. So Art is Important, uh, the original statement came from an artist, Multi Energies, uh, Leslie Montgomery. Uh, we met in Decatur in 2017, and uh, she, uh, she, they uh, came up with like the, the, image of art is important and when she showed me the image I immediately was like this needs to be in all the schools like all the schools need to know and she's an artist so she has so many just in her emporium in her basement she has so many different art pieces so it was literally just a slab of wood with art is important on it like she didn't think anything mm -hmm. of it uh, so 
fast forward to like now, art is important. It, it stemmed from a concept of an art piece and a statement from a visual artist to now is a statement that I was bringing it on all of my shows. I would have the slab that said art is important there with me on stage. And since I believe that everything is art, I turned it into, so I'm a mentor. So I use the statement to push my mentoring objectives. Uh, so it turned from just a statement to now it's an action. So Art is Important is now a mentorship uh, program. It's a magazine, it's clothing, it's, uh, it's, it's a message. And, and it's really getting people to see how art permeates our culture in so many different ways. And I understand that it's being taken out of schools in some places and people don't respect the arts. A lot of artists don't get paid what they should. So it's pushing the narrative of its importance and how it overall is essential to our quality of life. Like, and that's uh, based off of like the World Health Organization. Like that's actual scientific mm -hmm. fact. So it's, it's, it's pushing that message and, and being an advocate for artists in all mediums of the arts. So what was it like putting a magazine together? That seems to me a, would be a very different experience than the than music. Honestly, I've put things like that together before. Like uh, in high school, I put together a newspaper, um, and it was called The Real, and it, it got me in trouble. But it, uh, <laughs> essentially, I was selling it, and, and Clark Central already had a magazine that was being sold. So I got in trouble for that, and then my punishment was going to be on the Odyssey. So I'm a I'm an Odyssey alum, 1-0 forever. Shout out to uh, David Ragsdale. That's my one of my favorite teachers ever. Uh, so I've been a part of magazines and I put together things like that before. Uh, so I have so much material. I have a lot of poems, have a lot of photography. I'm a photographer and a videographer, but I love photography. I don't like being so much of a commissioned photographer. So I have a lot of photography that I've just taken over the years, but I want a way to share that. I've always wanted to have like a gallery and uh, share some of my pieces and print them out. So this was my way of having a gallery in book form because I feel like books are also like time capsules. Uh, and regardless, someone's gonna have this book decades from now. Uh, so it was my way of capsulizing, uh, I don't even know that's a word, but capsulizing some of my work uh, and then also being able to share sto stories from other people. I, I feel like it's important for, I, I believe that we're all journalists, we're all writers of, of history. So I, I like sharing other people's stories too. So I get to interview people that, uh, that I find, find interesting. I get to talk about things that I feel like people should know about. And then I also get to share my poems and I get to share my photography. So, and then with the online version of it with our YouTube channel, I'm able to uh, do the video aspect of the interviews there. Uh, so it's just a way, a, a well-rounded way to share all of the arts because I'm tired of like sitting on uh, stuff. Like I've, I've been, like I sit on music, I sit on like different arts because I don't know always how to package these things because people get confused very easily. Oh, like I thought she was a rapper. How she's sharing photos and how she's doing. Mm -hmm. So it was just a way to put all of it together yeah. in a way that people can understand and then get other people involved in it. Yeah. I saw some of those interviews. Those were really good too. I oh, thank you. There's uh, the one with the two young men who play football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Team Lambo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zayden and Nathan. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> um, and your, your, ment your, ment your mentor, 
to your yeah. mentorees. That's yeah, the right word. Yeah, right? yeah I got to get this right. Do they they help? Is that the, do they help with the magazine? Yes, they your? do. Uh, if that's what they're interested in, uh, for the most part, I've had two mentees that do help. Um, the back cover of the magazine was taken by one of my uh, mentees, a photo of me, uh, and then with my current mentee, uh, hopefully uh, he is a part of the writing process. I assigned him something, uh, so we're gonna see how well that goes. Uh, Early as tomorrow, I'm gonna gonna see how he's been doing with that piece. So I want the mentees to really take on like, eventually I want it to be ran by uh, a lot of it be ran by the mentees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the youth has has a voice because I feel that that's one of the the issues of society today uh, is that the youth don't feel heard, uh, and so they're seeking validation in a lot of the wrong places or in places that's going to lead to uh, detriment down the road. So having this be one of the, the ways that they can be heard uh, is, is definitely one of the missions of the magazine. So fashion's come up a couple of times. What's your interest in fashion and design? And, and is that something that you want to like expand on or? Always, fashion is important, uh, for, especially for me. Uh, if I look good, I feel good, and, mm-hmm. and that's just it's going to transcend into everything else that I do. I think that other people feel that way too, whether they admit it or not, or understand the importance of fashion. Fashion is also an art form. Uh, so now, with art is important. Uh, going into fashion, I want the messaging to be through uh, fashion. Like I have a, a good bit of these jackets and one of the jackets says vote on the back and then another jacket might have like some quotes there and I want the shirts to do the same thing. What Whatever it is that I'm pushing through uh, the other mediums, I want it to also permeate through the fashion mm, and, yeah. we're, and make it wearable so it's, even, it's reaching even more people. Nice. The Also, the, um, we always ask people about books that they've read or enjoyed or something that's had impact on their lives. Is there a book that's been important to you or just maybe one you just really enjoyed? The Alchemist uh, was a life changer Uh, for me. Uh, One of my mentors, Life, uh, actually, Life of Chess and Community gave me The Mm -hmm. Alchemist uh, some years ago. I can't even remember when it was. Uh, He gifted it to me. It changed my life. It made me appreciate the journey and, and look at the world from a different perspective, which I'm always trying to do. I'm always trying Mm -hmm. to expand my perspective on life. So I would say since he's given it to me, I've probably given the book away to other, like I've bought the book to give away to at least five or six other people. Um, I feel like it's that important. I feel like it's a book that everybody should read. How has being a mentor changed you? I learned so much uh, through them. I'm, the, the main thing that I wanted to get into mentorship was because I feel like I have a, a lot of knowledge that I'd like to share, and I wish that I had a mentor. I probably would have saved a lot of time uh, if I had a mentor. Um, I've had really great adult figures, but no one intentionally just being there for me on a designated day and time, and I feel like that's very important. Um, so I get a lot of of healing through that, of, of coming... I guess it's like a it's a I'm watching them come of age and and I feel like I'm still a child in a lot of aspects too. So I'm coming of age with them and learning lessons and learning patience and uh, observing child behavior is is very parallel to adults. So I'm learning more about how to function and communicate with adults through working with children and and being able to really break down what it is I'm trying to convey because uh, 
a lot of the times with kids, they're limited into what they're able to understand, but they do have a great understanding. It's just how you communicate it to them. So learning to break the, if I, if I'm trying to push one message in a way that they understand, I have to break it down even further, you know, so it's just helping me be a better communicator. And ultimately that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want. I went to school for mass communication. So yeah. I'm big on communication. I'm big on being able to communicate to everyone. And I feel like learning through them is helping me be a better communicator all around. I think even when kids don't necessarily understand everything, still discussing it with them and talking with them, I think kind of feeds their curiosity, mm-hmm. which in the long run is going to going to give them so much in life in terms of just like wanting to know things and they might ask a question like and it might be such a simple question and it just sends you down this like <laughs> rabbit hole of like thought like wow like that was really it, you didn't really mean it that deeply but that's a good question <laughs> very good and sometimes when you ask a question by a kid and you go to explain you realize Actually, I don't think I know this as well as I thought I did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let me get back to you. <laughs> exactly. um, where do you want your your art to go? Is there is there you know you've done photography, you've done videography? Is there something that you haven't dabbled in that you're really interested in? Uh, I would say I just want to take it internationally. Uh, I, I would love to see art is important go overseas, and I'd be able to connect with kids and, and adults over there and, and talk about the importance of art. And they, I, I'm, they have a different appreciation for arts in general. Mm. Um, so I would just love to take it internationally and just continue to expand throughout the states uh, and hopefully be able to do like tours with this type of thing uh, in different states and as soon as like next year. But internationally is like the, 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 long, the long goal of it all. Yeah. I've, I've always had the, the goal of when I go into retirement, which is hopefully is pretty soon, I want to retire like in my forties. So, <laughs> like, so when I go into retirement, I just travel and take photos in different nice. countries and be able to do gallery stuff like everywhere. Yeah, that's oh, that's a great goal. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, where can people if, find more information about you? Follow you all that good stuff. Uh, TribeHouseRecords.com. That's T-R-I-B-E House records dot com uh, has it's it's the hub of information it has everything there uh, you can also google Cassie Chantel and that'll bring you to everything else that you need to know but Tribe House Records will tell you more about who I am as an artist uh, art is important as an organization and Tribe House Records as a company so when did that when did the Tribe House Records start uh, it started officially on paper uh, in 2020. Uh, the idea has been going on since about 2017. Uh, before 2017, it was still try. It was the love tribe, though, like love spelled L-U-V, and that's what I called my following of, of people. They were the love tribe. And then I started doing house parties uh, with a group of friends and my partner at the time. So then it became tribe house parties. And then from tribe house parties, it became tribe house records. Uh, so it's just, it's been a revolution uh, uh over or evolution over time and uh it's always been a tribe it always been unity and family at the forefront oh great well thank you for coming in today it's been great talking with you yeah thank you so much i I love doing these kind of things so uh, i look forward to hearing more from this